0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Let's give God a hand clap of praise tonight. We serve an almighty God who is great and greatly to be praised. I was thinking about the, the names that he is referred to, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. They would go through all the names, Jehovah Shalom. Whatever need they needed, they would call him by that name. Finally, one of the writers said, you know what? We're going to make it simple. There is no other name. No other name. He's the name that's above every name wherever knees shall bow wherever tongues shall confess I'm glad when I need a provider I don't have to, to think of the name I say Jesus but Jesus it, it's there we serve an awesome God I give honor to your pastor and to your bishop and to your youth pastor tonight I must admit I spent a lot of my afternoon listening to podcast of your pastor I don't just say that I really did I, I You guys are blessed. I'm just being honest with you. I've traveled a a lot of places. And I'm telling you, you you guys are blessed. Brother McGee, a wonderful man of God. I'm telling you, that that hand clap is well deserved. The Bible says give honor where honor is due. And you all are very blessed. I come tonight with a heavy burden on my heart. I, I struggled. I'm not going to lie to you. I very rarely struggle with a message to the point to where I left all of my other messages home because I would have talked myself out of preaching this one. It's to to that point. God began to deal with me in the early part of this week. And I began to think of a theme park. I know that's very carnal. But it's a theme park that used to be where we live in Memphis right right around the memphis is just about 10 minutes away from us and i begin to think of all the great times that people had there but if you type that theme park into google right now it says permanently closed it's no longer there because some things happened some things couldn't keep it open you know what happened there wasn't enough people that would come through the doors my god there wasn't enough people coming through the doors so it had to permanently close i don't want it to be said that the church house doesn't have enough people coming and going and becoming constant in the truth to where if you were to google 10 years from now first apostolic church it had to say permanently closed that has to be that's a terrible epitaph to put on the tombstone of the church so I come to you with a burden if you have your Bibles turn with me to Revelations chapter 20 God begin to speak this into my heart and into my spirit Revelations chapter 20 I've, I've been ministering for several years now and I have never once I begin to tell your pastor's wife as I gave her all my stuff I've not once preached on what I'm about to preach on anywhere outside of my home church because it, it honestly, it's fearful for a preacher because you don't know who's going to be there and you want to get, to, you want to get asked back <laughs> so you, you want to make an impression but I got to be me and if the word of the Lord is speaking I'm not the man that he called me to be if I say I can't listen revelations 20 verse 12 says and I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and the death and hell delivered up unto the dead which were with them and they were judged every man according to their works you weren't judged according to your name how much money you had in your account how many IRAs you had How many languages you spoke? Or how big and bad everybody thought you were? When it all is said and done, what have you done for the kingdom? What what is said for your life? Are you kingdom-minded? Are you self-minded? God began to speak to me last week, and I began to talk to our pastor at home. He said, there is a difference between a move of God and a move of you. Because we know how to move. We know how to have church. If you've been in church any length of time you know what to do but just because you know what to do don't mean god validates and stamps his of approval on it you're judged according to your works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire as i begin to think about liberty land i'm going to preach about liberty land tonight the theme park that was in Memphis that I love so dearly that no longer is open. I want to preach on the roller coaster to hell. If you have your Bibles, just put them down and let's give God a hand clap of praise one last time before we're seated. God, we serve an awesome God. God, you're awesome. God, we love you, Jesus. God, speak right now. You may be seated. God bless you. I truly feel like what God has laid upon my heart for tonight is not preached enough in our churches today. We hear about heaven. And don't get me wrong, I love to hear about heaven. I really do. It's awesome to hear about the walls of Jasper and the gates of Pearl. The streets of gold. You can, you can preach about streets of gold and you can almost make this entire building get up and run the aisles if you do it long enough. Because everybody likes to hear about how awesome it's going to be when we get to see our Savior one day we hear about love and mercy of god and yes god is love and yes his mercy does endure forever but there comes a point in every young person's life where you have to understand that there is not only just a heaven but there is a hell as way there is another place that was not created for you it was not prepared for you and i i want us to understand that I, i've talked to somebody before and he said you know what i'm destined for hell I'm telling you, I know where I'm going. I said it wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But because of the world that we live in, the temptations that are in this world, the sneakiness of the devil, the sly, sneakiness, and the way that he he presents things to us in such a way, that's temptations and tempting for us that sometimes we cannot overcome. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 24 tells us, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Who are the very elect? The people that you would not think. The people that they've been in this thing their whole life. But I said it last night, and I'll say it again. Hell does not have an age restriction on it. It is designed to destroy you and to see you not succeed and see you in there if it can said, there shall arise false Christ and false prophets. And shall show great signs and wonders. And the reason why I believe that is because we like to see things. We're visual people. Humans are visual. We want to see the lame raised and the dead rise up and walk. We want to see those kind of things. The blinded eyes open and the deaf and ears unstopped. We get excited about that. But there comes a point in time to we have to understand the day that we're living in, the closer as the coming of the Lord is, there shall arise false prophets, false Christ. And they're trying to deceive the church. You better have a discerning of spirits to understand and know what's of God and what is not. The Bible says try the spirits so that you know what's going on in your life and in your spiritual walk. If you think that the devil isn't out to destroy you, young person, if he's brave enough to try to deceive and trick the very elect or even the elder in your church, the person that's been in church their whole life, don't you think for one moment that he won't try and destroy you John 10 and 10 tells us the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy it does not say that he will kill he will steal and destroy but it lets you know what he's out to do it lets you know what his mode of operation is it lets you know that every morning when he gets up out of his bed in hell he says you know what I've got one job to do and it's to try to destroy the life of a Christian if I can the thief That the Bible is talking about here is the devil he desires to steal your joy he wants to kill your family he wants to destroy your future that's what he is out to do if he can destroy the future of the church there will be no future church because believe it or not young people I know we don't like to go go here and I know this is probably kind of politically incorrect but I got to be myself the elders won't be around forever They're going to go and meet the reward in heaven. What they've worked their whole life for. The future of the church is the young people. And you better understand, you better get something on the inside of you. You better dig into the word as hard as you can. Because there comes a moment in time to where you have to get it for yourself. You have to understand what the devil is out to do. What he is trying to do to your life. And once you can realize what he is out to do, you can understand how to dodge the fiery darts of the devil. You can understand truly what the whole armor is of God that you have to put on every day of your life. You can understand what you're supposed to do in your life. I'm so glad that this scripture doesn't end on a sad note. There is not a period in the middle of the sentence, but rather a colon. My mom was an English major. She has a master's in English. A lot of people tell us that, you know, when you turn 18, you smoke. You, you know, if you're out in the world, you do what you want to do. I said the word ain't because my whole life I couldn't. So I thought I was like, "I'm a rebellious person, I'm saying the word ain't," And I would like say all the improper English I could because my whole life my mom would choke me if I tried to, because she is a master's in English, and it was so serious. I'm telling you you don't understand. I, I, I'm still traumatized. But it ends with the colon, as if to say, the statement that follows is so much greater than what was in front of it. Because what follows it is, I have come that ye might have life and that it might have it more abundantly. So all the while he's trying to steal, I've come to give you life. I've come to kill. I've come to give you life. I've come to, oh, destruction, whatever. I've come to give you more abundant life. If you can understand that and apply that into your Christian walk with God, you will understand that it doesn't matter what the hell might bring into your life and what destruction they might try to bring into your family. If you can hold on to God and you can dwell into the secret place of the Most High God, you can't abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Ah, We're seeing young people every day struggle with what to do. Do I serve God or do I give in to peer pressure and worship the world? Do I sacrifice my relationship with God for a moment of pleasure? Do I destroy my witness just for a moment of popularity? Because of these things Because of these decisions The Bible tells us in Isaiah 5 and 14 Therefore hell hath enlarged herself And opened her mouth without measure In their glory In their multitude In their pomp And he that rejoiceth Shall descend into it That's a sad story That there has to be a reconstruction I said it last night It's constantly under construction I, I, I feel like hell has to feel like Memphis because every time I've been through Memphis, it's been in construction. Yeah. <laughs> I've never driven through there where I didn't have to dodge orange and yellow cones right. just to get to five minutes from where I want to go. Right. Right. That, that has to be what hell feels like. Yeah. As the cones are out in front of an empty room. Right. Right. As the cones are out in front of a hallway that, that lays with the sheetrock laying off to the side. Yeah. As it has to say, you know what, I'm not finished yet, but give me, it's a work in progress. I don't know how many more rooms we're going to have to add today, but we're going to add some more. That's a sad story right there. I'm telling you, young people, you better not be another statistic. You better not have a room in hell waiting for you. You better serve God with everything you have. You better live a life that's above reproach and that's pleasing to God. You don't want to be a part of that number that's listed in the enlargement program in the building. It's sad that the devil is in more building programs than our churches. I'm telling you right now, hell should not outbuild and program the church. But every day, it's a sad story. They have to. Because more people, they live their life that says, you know what? I'm not pleased with where I'm at. I'm going to get, I, I, I'm sorry. I, Brother Chris, I'm just going to be myself. We, it, we're, it's too far in this thing to get our feelings hurt. It is. It's too far. You know what? Can you believe they said that about me? I'm sorry. A hill far away. The old rugged cross. We got to remember some things. The blood that was shed for you. I don't care what Sister So-and-so said about me. When I stand before God, they won't be nowhere near me. I better have lived a life that's pleasing to God. That's above reproach. That says, you know what? I don't care what my neighbor thinks about me. I better care what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks about me. Because he is what matters. Oh, he is what matters. The year was 1992. I'll never forget it. It was the only time I got to go. My dad pastored a church for 23 years in the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ in a small town of Kaiser, Arkansas. You probably haven't heard of it because if you blinked, you missed it. It was very small. I could tell you the town's close to it, but they wouldn't matter either because they were small too. But I'll never forget it. He, We had five kids living at home. I was the youngest of five children. So when you got money... I never saw it I was the youngest of five kids it, I mean I, I, I felt great If I got some chicken nuggets From McDonald's Because my four other siblings I pray for them Because they were mean <laughs> But you see Not everyone knows About Liberty Land But it was a magical place The youth group Brother Chris I asked him But he said Oh yeah Because he remembered He That, that also tells your age. <laughs> but the youth group of my church that my dad pastored had planned a trip to Liberty Land. We had saved money. We probably, I mean, it was a home mission church, so we probably did like 110 car washes to just raise enough money to go to Liberty Land. That's what it seemed like. I don't know. But you may have not ever heard about it because permanently it closed in 2005. Six Flags was so far away. But you didn't need to worry about it because you had Liberty Land. The word liberty was in it, so it, you knew you was about to experience freedom. I, I, as a young child, I was misquoting the Bible. I was like, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's Liberty Land. But I felt so good. Liberty Land was a theme park in Memphis, Tennessee, only about an hour or so where my dad pastored. When I was 12 years old, my dad worked very hard to provide for us. So the extra money wouldn't go to waste. As he always told me, I, I'll never forget it because it sounded so mean at the time. We're not going to waste all my hard-earned money on riding rides. I'm like, but that sounds really awesome. It really does. But I never got to do it but this one time. But the youth department had done some fundraisers, and we were on our way to this magical place. I never forget being in complete amazement, because up until this point, the biggest ride I had ever ridden was on the kiddie ride bumper boats at the Memphis Zoo. And looking back, how silly that seems to y'all, I take my four-year-old and three-year-old there now. (laughs) <laughs> so I really hadn't experienced life at all Like I thought I had I thought I had achieved something I really hadn't But I was quite afraid Just to be honest And I'll never forget My first ride Was on the, the carousel The reason I chose the carousel is because they had one at the zoo I would ridden that I was such a chicken But they had one at the zoo And so I knew I'm not going to die I should be okay I knew I could be in control Because they had the little pole there I could hold on to My kids right now, they're three and four and they love this thing. I was like 12 and like afraid I was going to die. I was getting life insurance policies. I was scared to death. But I remember as it went up and down and my mom was there taking pictures with their Polaroid. Yes, I know I'm old. I rode this several times. Then I was bored. The thrill wasn't thrilling anymore because I'd already written it at the zoo. I kind of knew what was going on. I could hear the screams of the other people as they were on bigger rides and I knew I was afraid of heights I was terrified to this day I I, I can't do anything I don't even want to talk about it my wife asked me to do something on our roof I was like it might just have to stay broke I don't like ladders (laughs) I could never be a painter let's just say like I I, up on this pulpit is about as high as I like to go and I, I, I sat on my little painted horse No longer afraid, but I was frustrated because the high I had once felt was no longer there. When I got on it at first, I felt a little tingling in my stomach. You know when you kind of go over a little hill. You're like, wow, that felt good. But then it goes. I remember telling my mom, let me ride something else. Sitting, getting it. So she took me to this ride. Chris. Brother Chris, I don't know if you remember the Sea Dragon. I thought I was big and bad, boy. I think Six Flags has one that's similar But I got on and I had heard the screams from the big kids As they were on the Sea Dragon So I said you know what I was living it up on the carousel But they were really living it up So I had to try it out I wanted that feeling, that rush of excitement The ride began to start On the Sea Dragon of Liberty Land And I'm going somewhere I want y'all to follow me Just stay with me My heart began to pound The first time I went up I remember I lost my breath I felt a little lightheaded. I really felt the little feeling in my stomach. I felt it maybe two or three times. I would close my eyes though, and eventually, what I realized is I was on a giant swing set. <laughs> really, it just did like this. What the sea dragon did. But I'd heard people screaming, so I knew that it had to be terrifying. But apparently, it wasn't. So I got off the sea dragon, and there it was. It was a round circle. It had sections that, I, I mean, it was awesome. It had sections that you could lean back into. It was red. I, I, I was 12, but I still remember it. It was like a big time for me, y'all. I don't know if y'all understand how big this was for me. But it was round, and you could sit back into it and put the chain around you, and you could lean back in this little cage. You were so claustrophobic. But they called it the Tennessee Tilt. I, I remember the name. It was awesome. Y'all might have known it was like a Tilt-A-Whirl or something. But we called it the Tennessee Tilt in Memphis. But I'll never forget, I rode it like nine times straight without, that. I did. Yeah, nine times in a row without getting off. You write it enough, you remember how many times you rode it. It was the greatest rush of my life because somebody that was scared of heights, I was experiencing the feeling, but I was still in control. I was confined in. I, was ch- I knew I wasn't going anywhere. I was okay. And it would carry you like this, and then it would carry you, and then it would go upside down, and... But I knew as long as I was in control I was okay Ah, My stomach's kind of feeling uneasy Just thinking about it But by the night time I was bored I was unsatisfied You see sin's just like that You will never start out With that crazy outlandish Sin in your life You start small The Bible says the little foxes Are what spoil things It spoils the vine You start small with a spiritual carousel If you will But the longer you sin, the more you get away with the little white lie. The more you lie to your parents. And you don't think they know what's going on. You become bored in your life. The more you feel like you're in control. So you begin to let go of some standards. Well, I got away with the other stuff. Surely this is fine too. You begin to hang out with the wrong crowd, young people. You find your life destroyed by peer pressure. You're getting ready to go to school. I'm telling you right now, peer pressure is going to meet you on the first day especially brother Chris was telling me some of you guys have just received the gift of the Holy Ghost and that is so phenomenal it's awesome it's the greatest thing of your life don't you ever trade anything for it but the devil he's not intimidated just because you got the Holy Ghost he will meet you at the first the first chance he can with the, at the first day of school with somebody asking you oh I hear you got that Holy Ghost yeah they want, they want to know what it's really all about but I'm telling you the devil is out to destroy, but I said it earlier, he has come to give life for your life. You will experience peer pressure. Maybe they will ask you to take your first drink if you're in high school of alcohol or something you said you would never do because when you were on fire for God, or maybe you begin to say words you never dreamed you'd say, but because you can still feel God when you come to the house of God, you feel like you're okay. I've come to tell somebody tonight, if you're messing up in your life and living in sin, coming to church still feeling God's presence it does not mean that you're okay it means God's mercy is reaching out to you God doesn't give you a license to sin he gives you a way of escape the Bible never tells you that God wants you to sin he said shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid in other words you better not do it I do not approve of it I began to talk to someone the other day and they go to a church and it all it does is promote mercy It does it, that's, that's the charismatic That's where we're at If you don't think we're at Just look out there You don't have to look far He said you know what You can sin anytime you want to Because the mercy of God Endureth forever It's, it's forever I have insurance on my car But I'm not going to wreck it Just because I have insurance It's for an accident It's for a mistake The insurance is just in case I accidentally slip up something that I never had intentions of doing and something I never plan on doing again. That being the case, that's just how repentance is. You better find you an altar and say, you know what? I'm telling you right now, I messed up. It's okay if you mess up because you do have an advocate with the Father. But when you repent for your sins, you better make a 180 degree turn and go the opposite direction and say, never again will I go back to that lifestyle. That's what true repentance is. True repentance says, I don't want to do that no more, and I want to do it. God, I need your help so that I can live a life that's pleasing in your sight. The Bible tells us godly sorrow worketh repentance when you're truly sorry for what you've done in your life. But something about the tilter world, as scary as it was, as big as and bad as it was, and amazing as it left me feeling at the beginning, it left me wanting more. I remember like it was Yesterday. It was about time for the park to close. It was 8 o'clock. I remember, it was big. I'm I'm telling you, this is a big deal for me. Brother Chris, he he got to go a lot. I went one time. One time. I saw it. It was the biggest thing I had ever seen in my life. When I mentioned the word Liberty Land, the first thing Brother Chris opened his mouth and told me was zipping, Pippin'. Because it's what it was known for. It, It was a big deal, it was a wooden roller coaster. And I'm telling you right now, I saw it, and when I did, about the time I looked up at it, I was holding my mom's hand, but I was a 12-year-old chicken like you have never seen. Because the moment that I saw it, the actual cars that were getting ready in the ride, they came down the hill, and I heard, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this thing sounds like it's about to fall apart. I really did feel way, I'm not going to lie. I was looking for nails just to start coming out of the wood, splinters, and, because it was made of solid wood. But it was known at Liberty Land, it was Elvis Presley's favorite ride. It was it, that—that's how it was known for. And so, man, I wanted to be like Elvis. I was a 12-year-old dude, and that's just a—that's just a fun fact. I'm gonna let that go. I want y'all asking me to come back. I'm not you about my desire to be like Elvis, but I knew it was my moment. If it was gonna happen, this little 12-year-old punk kid that hated heights was gonna have to overcome his fear. As I held my mom's hand, overcoming my fear. <laughs> it don't even sound right. I got in line and I waited. And dear God, that line was probably 15 minutes long. It really was. I- I've always been short. And I got to the front of the line and I got on my tippy toes. And I act like that's how really tall I was. I knew I, I wasn't. But I-, I was just tall enough on my tippy toes to get on. And it was dark, so they didn't see I was standing on my tippy toes, so they let me through. I felt like I would won. That was dishonest, wasn't it? <laughs> but I knew it was my moment. I was just tall enough, and it was my, that was the dumbest decision I ever made. I'm just going to let you all know, because it was the first roller coaster I ever rode in my life. How dumb to ride a wooden roller coaster is your first roller coaster? I'm not kidding. Looking back, I was like, that was totally crazy. But we got on the roller coaster and I took my seat. And the roller coaster began. And I remember it started and took a sharp right turn. And then it began to ascend in the air. And it seemed like an eternity. It was the weirdest roller coaster because this joker, a lot of them, they kind of go up. And then you'll go down and then they'll go back. This and like, it got it all the going up out of the way at the beginning. It got, so it went up like nine stories, it felt like. And I was, I honestly, I was not impressed be honest with you, I wasn't. Because when you're going up, the going's going slow. It, it, it's slow. It, it, it was. And I, I really was not impressed. I'm, I was like, I'm telling you, I was like, really? I sat in line for 15 minutes. And this is it? <laughs> this is the high that I, I mean, people were screaming while they go. And this is it? You mean to tell me I've wasted all my day just to build up to this? just to let me down and I didn't know when I said to let me down that's what I was going to do <laughs> we reached the top and it stopped my dad had always told me an expression when I was younger what goes up must come down It's simply gravity the laws of gravity kicked in and I went down I closed my eyes and I screamed like a girl I'm not lying to you. I probably squealed. My sisters weren't, but I was. And I didn't care. I felt like I was dying. I was, I was praying through. I was 12, and I was telling God I would never be mean to my sisters again. I, I would never tell a lie. I would act good in church. That was a big deal as a teenager. I would act good in church. I wouldn't chew gum in church. I wouldn't talk. I, anything I could think of. I mean, I was just making prayers up. Whatever God, if you make me, if you let me live, I'm telling you, I'll listen to my mom. I'll clean my room. I'll do whatever. I mean, I, I almost spoke in tongues, but I didn't because that would have been wrong. But it was too late because I was already on the ride. I was buckled in, and I had agreed dishonestly as I was on my tippy toes to be on the 12-year-old ride of my life. It seemed like an eternity I I mean For me to give you the details And I'm almost 34 now You know I really remember this Until we came through A dark tunnel and the ride was over And it stopped (sighs) I felt like I was going I, I was okay God Now all those things I said Do I have to keep all of them Because like I really don't want to Clean my room when I get home I'm just being honest with you That's what I was really thinking But I feel like tonight there's somebody under the sound of my voice that has made some mistakes in your life. Some even though you go to church, you find yourself in a daily struggle. You've gotten comfortable with things in your life. You come to church and then you you do what you want to do in the world. It's called living two lives. And you find yourself in a struggle every day on which life you want to hold on to. Brother Luke St. Clair, he came to our church and he preached a revival for us. He began to tell a story about Paul preaching his message. That was six hours when the man fell asleep. That was a, that was a message and a half. If you go for six, I'm not going six hours, y'all. Y'all are okay. But he went for six hours preaching. That must have been, he must have been telling some stuff. It had to be good. But the man fell out the window and died and broke his neck I begin to think as Brother St. Clair began to explain I wonder if we could have found out what the thorn in Paul's side was what, what it, maybe a miracle that had taken place it's not recorded because one man couldn't determine if he wanted to be in or out when you're whole on and you can't make up your mind being in and out nine times out of ten you fall out you hold on if you're trying to live a double life nine times out of ten you will justify enough stuff to where you won't stay in i'm just telling you so you better make up in your mind that you can't live a double life because we're too late in this thing to decide you know what i'm gonna live on the world for monday and tuesday but on wednesday i'll be seeing my pastor so i better look my best i better Better live right. It's too late in this thing for that. We've got to make up in our minds to serve God with everything that we have. But nothing satisfies us. So we try to find something to fill the void in our life. So you make an agreement with the devil Devil, I've been in control every other time, just like Samson did. This time shouldn't be any different. But what you don't know, you're about to go on the roller coaster ride of your life, just like I did. I thought I was a big shot at 12 years old. But little did I know, I just had a little bar that was between me and death or so that's how I felt I was on my way down and I didn't know if I was going to make it or not at 12 years old I, I thought I could die I was repenting I'm telling you but a ride in which you have no control over you begin to ascend and it seems like forever as you get a little comfortable and you say things like this is no big deal so what if it's an illicit relationship so what if I get out of church I'm in control of things I can always come back home your story may not be like the prodigal The Bible puts that in there as a top and shadow over some things and it lets us know of what can happen in our life and it allows us to know some principles in the kingdom of God but your story may not be a prodigal. Your story may be of the backslider. So you better make up in your mind hey look, there is no way I can take a chance. There is no way that I can take a chance. I cannot chance my soul for one moment of pleasure. I cannot chance my soul for one moment of a ha because the Bible tells us that sin is pleasure for a season see the thing about seasons they change they change you you may feel like well I'm in a good place right now but you hang on honey seasons always change so just when you feel like you're at your best you better watch out because it may change so you better make sure that you stay in the church during all the seasons of your life that way you can hang on whenever it gets bad Whenever it gets good, whenever you have money, whenever you're broke, you better be able to hang on to your relationship with God and say, you know what? Well, No matter what comes my way, I will still serve the Lord. You can look at it like the relationship and the marriage vows. For better or for worse, for sick or for poor, for sickness and in health, rich or poor, whatever it may be, you better be willing to serve God through it all. Through it all. The old song says through it all I've learned to trust I've learned to trust in God Through it all Through it all That's everything I, I wish a young person would understand Because you're going to face some lows in your life That you, you may actually And I-, I don't know if you understand this But you may actually consider quitting on God I-, I know that's not politically correct But that's the truth But you have to have enough Of this right here Where, you know what, when you look in there and you say, you know what, I want to quit. You can reach in there and find a scripture that says, you know what, though God slay me, yet I'll trust him. You better look into the word of God and you better better know it. Not just have heard about it. Not trust just his words. He's your pastor and he is correct. But you better have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that on Monday when your pastor's not with you, on Thursday when your youth pastor's not with you and someone questions you at school and says, why do you do this? And you can say, look, the word of God tells me this, thus and thus, thus and such. This is it. It's the word because it'll stand forever. When the world crumbles, the word will stand. What comes up must come down and you find yourself falling in your relationship with God. You see, the Bible tells us that the pleasure of sin, I just said it a while ago, or for a season, right. just for a short time, then judgment must happen. Uh-huh. There's been times in my life when I was a young child and I thought I was getting away with it. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I was mean. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was mean. And I thought I would get away with it until I got home. Right. Yeah. And my dad would look at me and say, Son, you thought you got you you thought you did. Mm-hmm. But see, I know he would always say, Little birdie toe. I always want to go bird hunting for that little birdie. Because that little birdie was mean. He would always tell my dad everything I did. Because he never told me who. He would not rat him out. But he'd say, little birdie told me that you were talking in church. And you know we don't do that. That little birdie just got me a whooping. He did. But judgment must happen. No matter what you do. Whatsoever you sow, you'll reap. You don't plant apples and get pears. Whatever you decide. If if you plant a good harvest, you'll reap good rewards. If you plant sin in your life, you'll reap destruction. Because the wages of sin is death. that's, That's what you get in return. But you must deal with the consequences of your action. See, you may be thinking, Brother Benji... You just have a big imagination and you just told a great little story about a roller coaster that you went on. But every day, the devil is trying to steal your soul. While the Bible says God stands at the door and knocks, there was a painter that depicted a picture. And on it showed a picture of Jesus Christ in the painting and there was a door. There was no door knock. In a, a critic, you always have a critic everybody has a critic and just think about it you, you can think of one, everybody has at least one critic in your life but the critic said you know what, I noticed you didn't put a doorknob on the door he said because he's a gentleman he stands at the door and knocks you are the only one that can decide whether or not you let him in you are the only one that can decide Just like if someone knocks on your door at your house. You don't have to go and open the door. You can act like you're not home. You can turn the lights off. You can tell the kids, shh, God. We don't want them to know we're home. But you choose. In your spiritual life, you choose the same thing. He knocks on your heart's door every single day of your life. And you choose whether or not you're going to open up the door. Or whether or not you're going to leave it closed. See, There was a man in the church. My father knew him. This man sat on the back row of our church. He thought he had it all together. I'll never forget. Thought he had it all together. And he began to talk about how much time he had. My dad would try to reach out to him, and he's like, Preacher, I got plenty of time. I do. I got tons of time I'm okay and he asked a question my dad was preaching on eternity in heaven and, and the reward, the, reaping the rewards of heaven if you live a life that's pleasing to God and he said well how far away is eternity preacher brother Marshall how far is it away I've got plenty of time he left we'll all stand he left that building he got in his vehicle and two miles down the road was in a car accident and was killed instantly. As my father began to cry, he said, if I'd have known, I'd have told him he turned he was two miles away. But I didn't know. There was a young man in my youth group. I'll never forget. He... He was so bound by peer pressure. He was, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget him. So bound by peer pressure. Had to fit in. I was always odd. I I never really, I guess I never felt like I had to fit in because I was just I was different anyway. But he always felt like he, he was the one that would smoke and drink and then come to the house of God and act like everything was okay. And I'll never forget as the pastor went back there and began to talk to him and he said preacher I'm okay I got plenty of time but little did we know he had been dabbling in rock music listening to Marilyn Manson listening to Ozzy Osbourne and we got a phone call that he had committed suicide took his own life because Ozzy Osbourne told him to said you know what if you can take away your own life you'll experience freedom like you've never felt before but he died not knowing God he died not knowing God so if there's only two places you can go if you're judging according to the word of God I wonder where he went there was a young man named Dallas Martin some of you may know who Dallas Martin is. He's in our, he was in our district, the Mississippi district. He, I was youth president, and he was a big help to me. He always was a young person. that He was every youth president's dream young person. As every event I would have, he would say, what can I do? Do I need to get the water? Let me know. Brother Benji, I got your back. I'll be the first one in the altar leading worship. I know you will. And he was at church. He left his guitar, decided to leave and go back and get it, and an eighteen wheeler pulled out in front of him and took his life. It dramatically and drastically affected our youth department. One of his two of his best friends are sitting right there. My pastor's daughter, sister Hannah. they the same age as Dallas, so they always they did everything together. But 4,000 people came to the between the viewing and the funeral and there was no questions asked of where he went because he had lived a life that was pleasing unto God without spot or wrinkle. There was no questions asked. So I've come to ask somebody tonight I'm going to open up the altar right now. When you have your chance and your time It's come to an end. No matter when it is. When someone walks up to your casket. No matter what age you are. What will they say? Will they know? Or will they say, well, he or she was a good old boy. Good old girl. They they were so sweet. They, 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 They lived a good life. I don't care if I live a good life. I want to live a holy life. I don't care who I impress here. If I impressed him, I know I've done the right thing. The Bible tells us if you gain the whole world, but in the process, lose your own soul, what have you really profited? I'm going to open up the altar right now. I want every young person in this room to come. to Thank you for listening.